0: Hey, it's Ryan Doyle from TDR's Guaranteed Money. We take a look at the Miami Grand Prix and why it's turning into a crypto wonderland. We also take a look ahead of DraftKings' first quarter call, why so many investors are actually bullish. Even Kathy Wood, she's putting her money down on DK. We'll also tell you why some of these companies really need to be paying attention to their female audience. That and more as Guaranteed Money gets rolling. Hey, it's Ryan Doyle from TDR's Guaranteed Money, along with millennial entrepreneur Anthony Verrill. Hello, sir. Nice to see How's you it again. Going? It's going all right. I was telling you before the show started, I have COVID, but I'm like a million bucks. I feel like a million bucks. So what are you going to do? Yeah, you
1: look good. You look good for having COVID. So it's uh, not, not 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 the end of the world. Hopefully no. it's just a cold.
0: Yeah. No. Honest to God, I don't even have a head cold. So it's, it's kind of yeah. weird that way, but... How are you? You're uh, you're looking well. You're looking refreshed. You're looking Miami fresh right now. Good. Moved into our office uh, in Tampa. Heat one last
1: night. I've got no no worries. Everything's uh, everything's good. Panthers play tonight um, against the Capitals for game one, which I already laid a bunch of money on the money line
0: um, on the cats. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, that's cats, not caps for those scoring at home. Now, let me tell you this, all views, cats. Yeah. all views on the Guaranteed Money podcast and the guests on this podcast are purely opinion. You should not treat any opinions expressed by us or our guests as investment advice, and the views on this podcast are solely intended to be informational and are not investment advice. Yeah, let's start there with uh, last night and the weekend, I think, as well. Sunday yeah. really got things cooking, because when we talk about the NBA playoffs, and we got a lot of stock stuff to talk about, don't worry, we'll get into that uh, in just a second, but when we look at the NBA, uh, I think a lot of people had to check themselves when it came to the Milwaukee Bucks. People had written them off. People had said, well, without Chris Middleton, Giannis, they're going to struggle against this Celtics defense. Here's what ended up happening, and you tell me if I'm wrong, Anthony. The Boston Celtics beat a Brooklyn Nets team that, quite frankly, just wasn't very good, never lived up to the expectations that were set for them. Yeah. And when a decent team that has a good defense, and the Celtics do still have a good defense – yeah. Beats beats handily a team that was never really supposed to be there, never had all of the right pieces in the Brooklyn Nets. The stock, let's call the Celtics a stock, their stock is overvalued. The Bucks stock in this oh, yeah. situation, heavily undervalued. Think about it for a second. They have the best player in the NBA. They have the defending champions. I mean, they have that infrastructure around them already yet they went off as plus 170 underdogs to win this series and absolutely smoked the Celtics out of their own home court.
1: I, I, I don't want to see Giannis. I, I don't want to play against Giannis. I don't want anything to do with Giannis. Like, I'd like to stay as far away from Giannis as possible. If Boston could please do me a solid and beat them in the series, it'd be greatly appreciated. I mean, Giannis didn't even put up over 25 points on Sunday. He had, what, like 16 and 15 I think, on assists and boards or something crazy. So it was facilitator Giannis. It wasn't dominant Giannis that's going to score. And if he wants to score 40 on that team, he's going to. I mean, I, I think as far as I'm concerned, it's, it's kind of intriguing because anybody could really take the championship that's still in the playoffs. Yep. Um, it's completely wide open. But Giannis, as far as I'm concerned, is the only player in the playoffs that could will their team to win. Um, he could single-handedly win a series. I think he's that damn good uh right now
0: yeah and you know it's going to be an interesting battle i think if the celtics don't get out of their own out of their own barn out of their own arena without a victory this could get ugly and could be a sweep going the other way but we'll keep an eye on that yeah yeah uh, obviously the other series and i had uh i had some nice nice investment money yeah. Uh, in the Golden State Warriors, to win outright on Sunday. I was sweating it. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to sit here and say that that was enjoyable to watch. Uh, but they got cooking at the right time, as the Warriors tend to do. And we had a situation where uh, they pulled it out at the end against the young Memphis Grizzlies. No surprise. Maybe a bit of a surprise as how to how well Memphis actually played and handled themselves.
1: Yeah, I mean, I wasn't too surprised. I mean, the more I watched them, I mean, they're they're good. I mean, Jaron Jackson's good. Dylan Brooks is good. Um, John Morant's is gonna, I'm going to be saying what I'm saying about Giannis, about Ja in, in four or five years. Um, I mean, he should have won that game. He could have won that game. That play they drew up um, was perfect. Um, he just happened to miss. But, I mean, I think it's going to be hard to beat Golden State. They're champions. They're calm. They, 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 this is nothing for them. It's a cakewalk. They've done it before. They just won without Draymond getting ejected, which that was bullshit as well. Um, that ejection, that was not a flagrant two. I mean, Draymond plays hard. Draymond – actually, uh, Draymond actually executes those blocks um, and those defensive plays part of, a lot of the time, and they're not fouls. Um, that's just part of the game. It's how he plays. I mean, he shouldn't have been ejected. But, yeah. I mean, if they did that without him, um, good luck. on Good luck for Memphis beating them with Draymond um, well, at, it, full, at, at full scene. Plus, Clay played like shit in the first half. He did hit that dagger three, though, to put them up by one, which essentially closed out the game. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't I, – I, that series is going to be fun. Um, but I don't think Memphis has what it takes or the maturity it takes to to beat the to beat the Warriors.
0: Just you very quickly, and those are those are the points I wanted to emphasize as well. And I think this is from a sports betting point of view where you have to look at this team because I think they are still being undervalued on the market. I think the Warriors, at least on the road, you're still going to have a very competitive team. And what you're talking about is the spits and spurts of the what you're seeing in the Warriors right now. Once every yeah. piece of that franchise gets cooking, meaning Steph, like oh, Steph as well, he, yeah. th- th- this is going to be a yeah. light set. They're going to win the Western Conference. They are going yeah. to win the Western Conference. Hands down. I watched Phoenix last night. I, I I sent you a message. I said, you can roast me on the pod tomorrow. I took the Mavs money line. Hell, Doncic had, what, 46 points. Uh, they had 16 yeah. three-point shots that they made, the Mavs the Phoenix Suns are vulnerable as much as they looked dominant yesterday. They show yeah, yeah. their Achilles heel in that situation.
1: Yeah. But if Aiton keeps playing like that, forget about it. They're going to, they're going to kill the Mavericks. And then, I mean, Aiton could be the difference maker against the, against the Warriors. If he just sits there and just dominates, but I still think I, I mean, I agree. I'm with you. I mean, I think the Warriors dance right through the, right through the Western conference. I mean, they, like I said, they've been there before. They're calm. They just know that they need to show up, play and win. And, I mean, there's no there's no anxiety. I mean, it's just going through the motions for those guys. Um, right now, And come playoff time, age and experience, it really does matter. I mean, it matters a lot. And the Memphis Grizzlies are, I think, what are they? They're all under 25 or something crazy. They're kids. They're um, kids. For the most part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think the Warriors do go straight through the West. Um, yeah you're, you're
0: going to look you're going to look at Warriors Suns I think the Mavericks probably steal a game maybe at home maybe two games at home but the Suns will close them out likely in 6 uh, you know, you've got a situation yeah. where Warriors' sons on one side. I think you're you're more than likely looking at Heat bucks on the other side of things. Uh, I thought the Heat looked very good. They they created distance from the Sixers oh. at the right time period yep. last night. Tyler Hero was just insanely good. I mean, the kid's going off. He's shooting from everywhere, can't miss, hitting the back of the hitting the the back of the mesh every single time. Nothing but net. It was it was fun to watch.
1: Last night actually scared me. Um, not 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 to be contrarian, but no, I like it. last night I, last night actually scared me a lot. Um, they couldn't score in the paint against the Sixers in the first half. Like the offense looked broken. Um, if Joel Embiid was in there, that game I think has a completely different outcome. I think they lose last night if if Embiid is in that game. Um, they they were taking contested threes. They weren't making the threes. Like Tyler's the Tyler put his team on the back, uh, put the team on his back last night. and and really took that game over, which we needed. But, I mean, they did not look good as far as I'm concerned with the offense. Obviously, they locked down on defense in the third and fourth quarter, which is why they won. I mean, they did what they they came to do. But I think they came out flat and they needed to figure it out um, because that first half, I was about to take uh, Philly uh, plus five and a half at the second half. Um, just in case, because I thought there was a pretty good chance that Philly could win. Tobias Harris was having was just having his way with them. He was doing whatever he
0: wanted um, up and down the court. You know why Tobias was relaxed? I saw him coming into the stadium, and he clearly yeah, he was moved. just on. Well, he, he was on the beach. He had to be. He came yeah. in in slides. He had short shorts on. He had like an open <laughs> shirt. He looked like he just walked out of South Beach and into the arena, uh, which I'm assuming a lot of players probably do if they're looking to just kind of. Unwind and relax, right? Beautiful area to yeah. like, to kind of kick back and and then and then get to game time. Let's get into the business side of things. Uh, and there's lots to talk about. DraftKings oh, yeah. has one of, has their call coming up on Friday. Uh, we'll have a full report on that for you. Uh, but this poll in California has been, and we've talked about it before, uh, a big outlier when it comes to legalizing sports wagering. You'd think, you know, a lot of very liberal-minded people, state that likes to make money off of its people, that this would be perfect. Uh, they haven't got there yet, and there's a new poll that was released that shows strong support—one uh, in three uh, California of uh, for one of three California sports betting initiatives that could make the ballot in uh, in November of this year. Fifty-nine percent of the 1,600 registered voters that were interviewed said that they would vote yes on the Solutions to Homeless and Mental Support Act, while 28 percent said that they would say say no to that. Now, this particular initiative is backed by major players in the gambling space, FanDuel, DraftKings, BetMGM, WinBet, Barstool, Bally, Fanatics. Uh, If approved, uh, it would allow gambling companies and Native American tribes to provide online sports betting across the state, but also on the back end, take that tax money and support homelessness and mental health. This feels peak California to me. This feels like the right one that would get passed in a state like that.
1: It needs to get passed. I mean, when you look at mental health and you look at homelessness in California, I mean, it needs to be addressed. Like San Francisco and L.A. are two of the best cities we have in this country, and they're complete shitholes um, right now. I mean, I just hear war stories of people in L.A. getting robbed in broad daylight. Um, My buddy a month ago got robbed at gunpoint on Rodeo Drive um, in L.A., um, I mean, San Francisco, San Francisco is a mess. There's homeless people everywhere. I mean, they need to do something to, to, to clean it all up. And if it's going to take lobbying dollars and money from the gambling lobby um, and the sports wagering lobby coming in to do it, I mean, then, then, then do it. But something needs to happen. Like, they can't just keep letting it go by the wayside. I mean, every time I'm in San Francisco, when this is going back four or five years, I mean, there were guys that were sleeping on the sidewalk in front of my yeah. hotels just pissing themselves just like sitting there in their own filth. Um, and then meanwhile, a van rolls by from the city and gives them food and like gives them like supplies that they need on the street. It's like don't, don't enable them. Give them either a, a home or a roof over their head to like rehabilitate or do something. But they need to address both of those in a very, very bad way.
0: Yeah. And that comes down to money. It always does come down to money. And here, you know, I don't want to say this is a gift, but I mean, mean, this is money that would fall into a state's lap. We've seen it across the United States of America. The money falls into government's lap. This would be money that would be earmarked for something, which I like even better than it going into general coffers.
1: Absolutely. And I mean, look at the the taxes in California. I mean, the people are paying out their ears in taxes. If they don't have the money to address things like this, then they need to, they're, they're, they're doing something seriously wrong.
0: Yeah, well, it wouldn't be the first time in the state of California. I mentioned DraftKings. Uh, the DraftKings acquisition of Golden Nugget Online Gaming is still on track despite recent delays. That according to the chairman of CNOG, uh, Tim Tillman-Fertitta. Uh, you know, the transaction was first announced last year in the fall, and one deadline to get it closed is already passed. Obviously, uh, when we're working with a deal like this, DraftKings shares at the time were trading at $52 a share. That's not where they're at today. You're in the $13, $14 mark. Uh, but that doesn't that hasn't stopped tillman Fertita, the chair of the Golden Nugget Online Gaming uh, group to say, listen, I think DraftKings is still going to go to a hundred dollars a share. He's pretty bullish on it. And then, of course, you look yeah. at the the fine people at Ark and Kathy Wood and their whole uh, organization, and they just bought a whole bunch of DraftKings. They bought one hundred eighty nine thousand shares. So, I, I think all signs point to good. They've got their call coming up the, to know what you know. We'll know yeah. what happened in their first quarter on Friday. I think these are good signs when you see major players say, "No, I'm still really bullish here," and especially when you get the Kathy Wood blessing.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, Kathy's got no choice right now. She's got to deploy capital and try to get that NAV up. Um, I mean, her fund is getting killed right now, as far as everything's concerned in the Nasdaq. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, I think DraftKings and FanDuel. If you're going to play the space and you're a you're a you're a retail investor, you've got a 401k, you've got a you've got your own portfolio. I mean, you need to have some exposure to it. And I mean, those two names are the best way to do it, um, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I would bet I, I would bet on both, especially DraftKings.
0: The other thing I thought was interesting, and we've we've often predicted on this show that the day was going to come where we were going to start to see consolidation. And I'm interested to see yep. what your take is uh, when it comes to this move by MGM. You may remember uh, they had a proposal last year to take over Entain, because it seems like MGM yep. is looking to... Uh, to swallow up some global operator that they can get their brand all over so that they can go a little bit more global than they currently are. Uh, That didn't work out with Entain, who's based in the UK. This time around, they're looking to buy online gaming and sports betting company, Leo Vegas. Decent-sized property when we talk about Leo Vegas. They're a good-looking outfit. Um, I I like this deal for BetMGM. I think this might be a better dance partner for them uh, than Entain ever was.
1: Yeah, I, mean, I think it's a good. I think it's a good acquisition. Um, I think it looks great on the it looks great on the surface. Uh, we'll see what, how it goes and how it goes through antitrust and everything gets sorted out. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think there's going to be a ton of consolidation in this space. I mean, it's, it's a fa- it's a function of just some of the parts. Um, just keep building, keep buying audiences, keep bolting on things that are accretive, keep finding technologies and just build that stack um, vertical and then just go after and conquer the consumer.
0: Now, they did say that they launched a recommended public tender offer for 100% of the shares of Leo Vegas, which is headquartered in Sweden and Stockholm. Uh, $6.20 per share bid will be paid off uh, for with uh, cash on hand. It uh, yep. looks like this is going to close the second half of this fiscal year.
1: Yeah, I mean, it'll be, if they can get it closed, and that's great. I mean, they need, obviously, exposure outside of the U.S., and I mean, it plays well into it.
0: Uh, th- this also caught my attention today, and I know it's something we've talked about when it comes to college athletes. Obviously, we've, we're going through the whole name and likeness, uh, getting college players paid. The NCAA is still a little on the fence when it comes to the world of sports gambling. They haven't exactly warmed up to it, but a big part of what they have that sports books want is statistics information, yeah. and they have been—they've been really reluctant. I know the MAC had a deal uh, that did get the blessing of the NCAA, but that took a while. Uh, we're hearing that the relationship between the NCAA and their conferences uh, and the sports books out there. Is basically, you know, getting a little warmer. They're basically saying now that they're going to allow colleges and conferences to share stats with books as long as the same information is made available to the general public. So basically, just let's open the floodgates. Here's the info. If there's still a price tag, you negotiate that with the separate sports book. The conferences will figure it all out. Yeah. I mean, yeah,
1: I, I agree with you there. However, This might come as a surprise. I don't think that sports wagering companies should be sponsoring college football or sponsoring athletes with the NIL stuff. I think it takes a certain level of maturity to be able to handle that sponsorship. And I mean, when you look at like pro athletes, they even have sort of a hard time staying away from, from any of the wagering stuff and not getting themselves into trouble. Um, Hang on. I think hang it's di- on.
0: Hang on. Hold on a sec. What are you talking? about? I think it's why dicey. Why is it dicey? What's the, what's the difference between me taking some money from Ford, if I'm a college athlete, and me taking some money from BetMGM? It doesn't mean I'm going to go and bet on the games. No, no, not not, not, not not at all. Not at all. I just think that you're
1: dealing with a completely different demographic. Like it's, I, I don't know. I, I just don't think it, it really works. I think it works much better for professional sports than it works for in, uh, in collegiate or lower-level lower, lower level sports.
0: Let me just say, so the millennial entrepreneur on this show does not trust young people, folks. That's basically what we just put on the line here.
1: I mean, dude, if I, I'm thinking about myself. When I was an 18-year-old, me, if I'm, on a, if I'm playing for the Miami Hurricanes and Ben MGM or FanDuel comes up to me, I mean, that would get gear spinning very, uh, very quickly.
0: So your fear is they're actually going to start betting because that's part of now their ecosystem. I feel like that's they're going to they like be more
1: inclined. I feel like they're going to be more inclined to. They'll be more, I mean, I could be very wrong, um, but I really think that from sports wagering, from a sponsorship and the actual dollars seeping through into the uh, into the actual organizations, collegiate might be dicey.
0: Okay. Interesting. I, I strongly disagree with you. I see no different, you know, difference. I don't care if they, you know, they want to take money from Winston-Salem, you know? Yeah. I don't care if they start smoking. If it's, if they're getting paid, who gives a shit? You know, I yeah. just, the money's going to be out there anyway. Uh, yeah. I know it's a big weekend for you. Formula One in Miami, the Miami Grand Prix. I have heard that the city of Miami is absolutely friggin' electric right now. Can confirm?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I've got I've got mixed feelings. I mean, I think it's amazing that Formula One's coming here. In good Miami fashion, they've built restaurants and a fucking marina in the middle of the track, and they're charging like $3,000 a fucking seat for a table at the restaurant. Tickets, unless you're rich, you can't afford them. They're fucking $1,800 a ticket. I mean, they've literally taken a great sport and a great event, and just like Miami the shit out of it, like everything, unless you're flying in from Dubai or coming in from Europe or you're a fucking crypto millionaire, like it's they, they, they've, they've just glamorized the entire thing, but just in a bad way. Like Monaco you go to, it's beautiful, it's prestigious, like there's everything around it. Cool. Like, the Miami thing, they basically inserted as many plastic sponsors in there as possible. Like, there's a carbone in the middle of the track. Like, is that needed? Like, no. Like, like keep the integrity of the sport and of the race. I think it's going to be a a great event. It's going to be amazing. But it's going to be... You know what? Here's a good analogy. So, what Coachella is to music festivals, with all the commercial bullshit, the plastic, and the influencers... That's what the Miami Grand Prix is going to be to Formula One. It's literally going to be a shit show of people taking pictures that don't give a shit about being there. They know nothing about the sport. They just want to be there to take a picture, get fucked up, and show everybody that they were there. That's what the Miami Grand Prix has turned into.
0: And I'm, so definitely,
1: not be, I'm definitely not going to be wrong in that assumption.
0: This is, this might be my favorite rant of yours the entire time we've been working together.
1: It's it's, true. Because it's true. Every single thing you see on social media right now is, oh, it's, it's, it's egregiously expensive to get into the Miami Grand Prix. Like Carbone just set the record for $3,000 a seat. Some other thing was like $10,000 a seat to like get access to. It's like, cool, but you ruined it. Like everything doesn't have to be like Uber expensive and exclusive to make it fun and make it like legit and so, don't get me wrong like i like nice shit like i spend a lot of money on a lot of things but in this instance they just like they coachella it if you want to put it like they that
0: they got would the grand prix got yeah. coachella yeah um so one of the one of the partnerships they have yeah uh, i think crypto crypto.com is one of the main sponsors yep, of, of the miami grand prix um FTX is in partnership with F1 Team Mercedes. Uh, They're set to release a powerhouse of NFTs, the way they describe them. They say that they're going to work together with FTX Crypto uh, to announce a collaboration in the release of rare and selected NFT collectibles at the Miami Grand Prix. Uh, Mm -hmm. Be on the lookout for thousands of limited edition free-to-claim NFT ticket stubs for those who want to witness the NFT launch happening at the Grand Prix. There's also, from what I read in this article, they're going to be giving away uh, parts of the car. Did you hear this? No, but yeah. I want one. Yeah, they apparently uh, for these racing events, FTX and F1 team have also partnered with Mad Dog Jones, highly respectable artist, who will be releasing 10 special limited edition Ethereum NFT artworks for the auction. Two of them come with physical rear wing end plates from the Mercedes cars that are driven by George Russell and Lewis Hamilton. I thought of you when I, I read this today because I thought of all the NFT stories we've covered, this might be the fucking sickest.
1: I'm literally going to look into that as soon as we get off this podcast and figure out how I can enter into it or get, or get one of those NFTs or one of those wings. Um, I don't care. I'll trade one of my board apes for it. If I have to, Um, I'm getting, I'm going to, I want that. Like I've, I've like gamed out like what memorabilia I want for my office. And like top three on my list is a Lewis Hamilton signed helmet. Um, So getting a wing from one of those cars yeah, I'll I'll break out one of my either Mutant Apes, board Apes, whatever I got to do to get that NFT and get that wing. I'm going to get my hands on one of those.
0: Now, how big is it? Do you notice, is it noticeable how much crypto and FT crypto.com and FTX are, are plastered everywhere around this? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Now? Oh yeah, they're going to be everywhere. Um, they're going to be everywhere, but it's great. I mean, it's good exposure. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a crazy event. There's going to be a lot of crypto money there, I'm sure. Um, I'm glad that they're using NFTs as engagement tools for fans. Um, and using NFTs as part of the experience, because um, it should be. I mean, that, that's where we're at. They're digital collectibles, they're frictionless collectibles, and they enhance the experience for the consumer. Um, so yeah, even despite that rant, I just went on about how they just kind of ruined it. I mean, there's going to be a lot of good that does come out of the event and innovation that comes out of the event as well.
0: Uh, another story that caught my attention, and I know this is your world, but I'm intrigued by it. When it comes to uh, Major League Baseball and the Topps Timeless series, uh, an NFT of the storied 1952 Mickey Mantle card sold for 175 ETH this week, roughly 471 thousand dollars. It was in an open sea auction that closed last week, rather, uh, but we're talking about yeah. it now. Um, I think that's that's a that's a pretty neat sign of things to come. And I always love when I'm looking at a black and white card talking about ETH.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's cool. I think it's a record-setting sale for, uh, for an NFT card. However, when it comes, and I'm not speaking my own, I'm not talking my own book here, but if I'm buying sports cards and memorabilia, for some reason, I just gravitate towards always needing or wanting access to the physical um, in, that, in that realm. I don't think I'd spend half a million dollars on an NFT card, um, per se. I would spend a half a million dollars, though, on like a Luca. Um, like National Treasures, like RPA or something like that, or an on-card auto of, like, Michael, um, I would spend that money on that. But a purely digital uh, card, no, I wouldn't do that because there's, A, probably not going to be any future, like, airdrops or utility, and, and, B, it's it's purely digital and it's the art. Like, I like holding my cards. I like having the yep. physical or at least access to the physical um, if I ever want it, that's why I think physical cards will always be at a premium um, to their purely
0: digital counterparts. What's it like in your house when it comes to sports wagering? Is your wife into sports wagering at all? I don't talk about it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't talk. They're, they're, I don't. I don't talk about it whatsoever.
0: What? It's not Bruno and Encanto. What do you mean you don't talk about it?
1: I just don't. I just. I, I never bring
0: it up ever. Does she have an app? Does she play?
1: No, she hates it. She thinks okay. it's stupid. Okay.
0: Yeah, she Fair absolutely enough.
1: hates it and thinks it's a waste of money.
0: Uh, the reason I bring it up is because obviously sports wagering often thought as a territory dominated by men. Uh, but new data shows that over 4.6 million new female users joined sportsbook betting apps in 2021, showing 115% year on year growth. Number of male users obviously exceeds that, but not yeah. the point. Women, I would not have told you that that would have been the number.
1: No, I mean, I think it's great. I think it's great, and it's if it's one thing that I've noticed, uh, ESPN Radio in South Florida, um, they play at, right after the morning show at 10 a.m. They go to Beck QL, and then they go to a couple yep. other shows that rifle throughout the day. There's female personalities on all of those shows now, and they're they're, they're sophisticated. They've got great perspective. Um, it's refreshing to see women coming into, into sports wagering and really developing the personalities and, and becoming interested in it. Um, I've never understood why women weren't interested in it from the, from the get go. I mean, sports aren't just a male, I mean, maybe they're a male dominated, uh, category as far as the participants at the professional level and I guess the interest, but I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not a, there shouldn't be a gender bias in anything when it comes to, to sports wagering.
0: Well, when you know when I go to a stadium or even watch the NFL draft last week and last weekend, you saw a ton of women out there, oh like, yeah, yeah, it was noticeable how many women were there, and I thought, yep. this is fantastic that this is you know starting to catch on you know the draft used to be something that a bunch of guys in a basement or a hotel room used to watch it's now it's a little bit more yeah lively. Oh, the draft little... is the the,
1: the, the, the draft yeah. has turned into an animal, um yeah. the fact that it's gone from New York to Vegas now and it's uh it's just a full blown Event um, in itself, and now it's four days. I mean, the NFL has figured out how to monetize that thing every single way possible.
0: I actually tweeted out a picture of Pete Rozelle, the former NFL commissioner from way back in the day, like the original OG commissioner, and it yeah. was him in black and white, standing in front of a board about maybe this big, yeah, and he's literally writing the names of the players as they're getting drafted in a smoky old New York hotel lobby or you know Sounds conference right. room and think of how far that event has come in just what 50 60 years. It's kind of crazy when you think about it.
1: Oh yeah. It's I mean the NFL draft is I don't want to call it one of the most exciting events in sports but it's definitely one of the it probably is the biggest ancillary event in sports um, in professional sports. I mean no one cares about the MLB draft. The NBA draft is pretty cool. I mean when it comes to the lottery, but the NFL draft
0: now is a full-blown event um yeah. of the year speaking of events of the year the Kentucky Derby is coming up on Saturday I'm a horse guy are, are you a horse guy i've never even asked you about that uh, nah. That's a no i mean Solid it's no.
1: it's cool it's cool i mean my dad like loves horse racing so i mean i've always watched like the preakness or the Kentucky Derby um or what i forgot what the other one is churchill belmont Downs. It's the uh, belmont belmont belmont, belmont. Yeah. um but yeah i mean it's uh it's interesting i mean you'll never find me like betting like a trifecta or like putting money on it because i just don't understand it yeah. um usually i'll just bet on the odds um and i think i've only maybe bet on it twice but i mean now i mean
0: uh auto auto racing is my thing uh, See, I've, so for me horses, I've, I I've actually played in handicapping tournaments for for horse racing okay yeah, yeah so I'm, I'm i'm pretty serious about it uh, i paid my college tuition for those who don't know through horse racing I hit a really big long shot at Del Mar Racetrack called Chris O'Como. I still remember the name of the horse. Uh, I was betting at a theater in Toronto and I remember my old man pulling up and saying, Don't go anywhere. I'm gonna pick you up. Don't worry, it's you know, we're gonna get that money out of that place. Don't worry about you it. You want man. that much money? Yeah, it was in, it was insane. And literally yeah. went to the college the next morning and put my money down for my tuition in cash. <laughs> that was that that was it, that was all this yeah. a true story. Um, so I've got a I've got just a couple of horses to look at. I know people like to dabble in this. I know people have parties. Uh, if you're looking to maybe get ahead and put a bit of a future bet on so you can lock in some decent odds and not bet a day of, uh, two horses that I'm looking at, uh, one is the number three horse, and I'll get into why on Thursday's podcast, but, uh, the number three horse epicenter, and there's, there's other horse called simplification. It's 20 to one, Anthony. And okay. I love, I love the way the trainer and we'll get into it maybe a little bit more in the next pod because we're running out of time here, but I love this trainer a lot, and I think he's got the the value baked into himself, and I think this horse could be maybe not a winner, but I would definitely put it in my top three if you're looking to do something maybe exotic, maybe on yeah. the back end of an exactor, and maybe if you wanted just a quick flutter. I mean, at 20 to 1, not not bad if you want a little sprinkle on something. Simplification. I mean, Baffert's Baffert suspended for a while, isn't he? He is, yeah, and he should okay. be. Yeah, yeah, I mean that's a dirtbag moves that he's pulling out there with yeah, yeah. horses. I don't like that at all. Yeah, I'm yeah, a big I'm a big proponent of the horse as well. By the way,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean those if it's one thing those horses are treated like royalty.
0: Yeah, um, they should be.
1: They should be. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: One place I also recommend before we close, if you've ever been to Saratoga racetrack, you'll know what I'm talking about. You have to go to the meet in Saratoga in August. It is the oldest track in the United States of America. It's all made of wood. Uh, You still have people that come with white gloves and dust off and wipe off your seats for you. They come bring you like wine and mixed drinks right on the rail. Uh, It doesn't cost all that much. You can sit in the infield if you wanted to and bring a cooler and lunch with the family. It's a fantastic time. So there you go. Yeah, it's funny because
1: one of my my good friend's parents actually go every year, um, like religiously, um, to Saratoga. I've heard one of the races you have to go to is the Preakness. I've heard it's absolutely just nuts. As far as, uh, as far as the partying and as far as the races, the races
0: go. Well, Preakness is a lot like a college party, right? It's Pimlico. It's a little bit looser yeah. than the Kentucky Derby. You've got a lot of people just, you know, it's like the Coachella we were talking about earlier. I've heard it's like the waste management.
1: It. It's basically like the waste management of horse racing.
0: <laughs> it's the waste management of horse racing. Yeah. That's exactly
1: yeah. what it is. That's what I said. That's how one of my buddies explained it. He's like, dude, it's like the, race ma- it's the waste management of horse racing.
0: They actually say it in the fucking brochure. I was surprised. Yeah, come to come to the Preakness. we the waste management of horse racing. It's a good. That's it's good that's the best. one of the best. Anthony, pleasure be as always, sir. Yeah, it's been real. Subscribe to Guaranteed Money wherever you get your podcasts, and find out more details at thedalesreport.com. dot Don't forget also to check out our YouTube channel for more content.